Blog Talk Radio. Live from Fort Bragg's backyard, this is the show that puts the 110 Nation on the map. There is only one nation, the 110 Nation. And you're listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show. Covering each and every sport across the board. There is no sport too large or too little. It's time to talk to talk. Here we go. Here's the man, the founder, and your host, Mr. CJ Sports. We got this situated. I had to grab another charger because somebody wouldn't give me my charger back. So let's try this now. I want to welcome everybody to the 110 Nation Sports Show. I am your host, Mr. DJ Sports. You can follow me at DJ Sports One. You can follow the 110 Nation at 110 Nation. Check us out on Facebook. My, per, um, yeah, my personal fan page, Mr. CJ Sports. The 110 Nation fan page, 110 Nation Sports. Also, uh, check us out. Or check out our site, www.com. The one, um, the one ten nation sports show, or the one ten nation sports dot com for all the latest going on here at the one ten nation. Um, got a great show for you guys tonight. Very, very, um, <laughs> got a, a very good show. <laughs> we got uh, got two great guests. Looking forward to having both these on the show. We got uh, Natalie Decker making her return to the 110 Nation Sports Show. Uh, we're going to catch up with her after Pocono. Uh, not quite the performance. I'm not muted, though. Let's try this because I'm getting a message saying I mean myself. Mike, can you not hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I think I was muted. Uh, we got Natalie Decker joining us. Uh, not not quite the performance, uh, mechanical issues. Um, we'll get some details on that, the, uh, how her trip back home to Wisconsin went, and see what the up-and-coming plans are. And then at 9 o'clock, we got Hannah Newhouse. It's been a while since we've had her on the show, as uh, she's been working on some other, uh, other whatnots. And... Uh, been doing a lot of uh, traveling and doing a lot of uh, um, media, so uh, looking forward to having her back on the show and see what uh, what she's exactly what she's been doing, what she's been getting into, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, just catching up with her. Of course, Mike more Mike's. Are you there?
Go ahead and do your part, Mike. Okay. Uh, I lost you again for a while. I don't know what's happening, but anyway. Um, we got a good show on Friday. First of all, I want to thank Dylan Sawyer for coming on uh, last Friday night. A young man, very, very interesting man to talk to. Uh, 15 years old, as I said. And uh, he has a bright future ahead of him. I'm uh, running two cars this year. Uh, Friday show, uh, we hope to make up. We only had Dylan on Friday night. We hope to make it up with three guests. Uh, invited three. We'll be inviting three. Uh, number one, Jack Hanley, who is from the Blunderbuss division. Uh, Bruce Knoll from Riverhead as well. I want to talk to him. He is the flag man, the actual assistant flag man uh, for uh, Riverhead Raceway. And uh, also a note, if I can get him, um, over at Wall Stadium on Saturday night, um, Jimmy Blewett won the modified event, and what, what sticks out in terms of his season right now, uh, he's been a former guest on the show. He's won four out of the five modified division uh, features that have been run so far at Wall Stadium. So I will try to get him. And so we should have about, hopefully, three guests uh, for this week's show, which will make up for only having one on Friday night, as I had a B list of people who couldn't appear, unfortunately. Um, so, but we should have a good show uh, with three guests in two hours on Friday night. Um, for uh, that, you can uh, reach me on my uh, Facebook page the Hot Laps with Stats pages, and the 110 Nation pages, and the blog site, along with my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. Uh, I will put up a golf story that I'm working on and my racing blog probably tonight, both. I had uh, life get in the way today. I had an, an appointment I had to go to. So I'm just getting back and so forth, and I will put those things up this evening. I uh, put some stories up from ESPN and from SI that uh, CJ and I will talk about also. That's up on the 110 Nation page uh, for you to read and for CJ to read. And, of course, we had an interesting uh, weekend with NASCAR. Also, I want to... Uh, uh, say to Chris Turbish, who's been on the show, uh, he also drives a truck for uh, Dave Koenig. Uh, he had a rather hectic ride. I will put that um, photo up, CJ. Uh, major, major late model wreck at um, Riverhead 
over the weekend. Luckily, Chris walked away uh, unharmed, uh, which is another uh, testimony to, again, the safety of these cars. As we've talked to a number of late model uh, racers as well, CJ, and when you see the nature of the wreck and the car, what it looked like afterwards, you'll wonder, as all racing fans do at times, how uh, the person walked away. But luckily, Chris is fine. And I don't know uh, how fast he will rebuild the car. But um, knowing that team, they'll get it together uh, very quickly. But again, happy to know and see that Chris walked away from that. Um, but uh, so, but uh, we had, as I said, uh, some interesting goings on over the weekend uh, in racing in general. And uh, I guess CJ and I will get to talking about that before too much longer, in addition to his Cavaliers extending the finals. Uh, luckily, for CJ, uh, they weren't and them, they weren't swept. So I would I, I wouldn't call it just extending the season. I would call it them beginning the greatest comeback to dupe or to even better one. They're already history making three one deficit last year. Uh, we, we decided we was going to go in uh, record uh, fashion again this year and go from a three zero deficit uh, to win the final. There you go. And also a very happy Izzo, who we will talk to uh, tomorrow night on the air as his Penguins wrapped up the uh, Stanley Cup over the weekend. And Sidney Crosby won his second straight Consumite Trophy as playoff MVP. And as you said, CJ, the playoff uh, most valuable player really doesn't mean a lot. But when you look at the whole season, I guess you can say Sidney Crosby and a couple of others, uh, you know, uh, contribute mightily to that team. And uh, so I'm sure Izzo is in his glory uh, with his Penguins. Uh, the two-time, uh, two years in a row now, Stanley Cup champions. Oh, glad to be back here. I do apologize for the uh, the whatnots in the beginning. I had a very rude person in the uh, studio, and so uh, couldn't have my phone unmuted um, until they, they left the premises. So uh, got to get things off to a shaky start, but I'll tell you what, I definitely need tonight. Um, definitely, definitely need to be in the studio and definitely need to be talking sports, uh, especially after this last weekend. And uh, um, what this next couple weeks is going to be bringing – so uh, looking forward to uh, hanging out. Look, like I said, uh, Natalie Decker here in about 45 minutes. Uh, Hannah Newhouse at 9 o'clock, I'm going to tell you what. So, not going to lie, even though as exciting as it is to have Hannah join us tonight, um, knowing that game five of the uh, NBA finals is going to be starting at the same time Hannah um, is in the studio, was going to prove to be a difficult task for myself um, as uh, – I'm trying to trying to get into the the whole Cleveland. Um, I'm trying not to get over excited about it, but I also know that um, 
game three, that was us losing that game, not Golden State beating us. And then we came out and, and put our foot on their throats um, in game four. So kind of the tides have changed, even though it says 3-1. Um, and I honestly believe if we can slip past this one, that it will go seven games, that uh, we will, will see seven games. So I, I don't know what to expect tonight other than I expect a lot of what I've seen Friday night. I, I expect a lot of three-pointers. Um, I expect them to be uh, high tempo, and I expect them to continue to get into the heads of Draymond Green um, in the head of um, David West, in in the head of Clay Thompson, and in the head of their center, um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, the guy that I'm not understanding how he's not been suspended for game five when he punched um, Shumpert in the nuts um, I'm in the groin area. Anyway, I'm not sure how that did end up being a suspension for game five or anything more than what it's been. I'm still kind of not understanding that. But uh, Cleveland has uh, definitely uh, got on and have caught on that uh, those those four players, it's easy easy to get into their heads and easy to get them riled up and uh, get them off the game. Not that those four are the best four players on the team. Um, the, the best two, the really the only two that really matter, uh, Kevin Durant and Curry, they're a little harder to uh, shake up and rattle their cages. Um, and, and that's why they're the best two players on that team. The rest of the guys are above average um, all-star, I guess, players. Um, but, uh, Very, very excited about tonight. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, the Cavaliers don't let us down and uh, we'll be sitting here talking about uh, another midweek game. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure LeBron uh, will be, uh, you know, uh, at the head of uh, a couple of the locker room speeches or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I... I I'm not worried about Cleveland um, showing up or or not showing up as it were uh, to these games. I just I think they have too much talent um, to uh, you know to not and not just because you're a fan. I've I've uh, I've said this all along that I think Cleveland and Golden State it will come down to basically one game, you know, in terms of whether it that be a game seven or I didn't see Cleveland uh, succumbing that easily. And as it turns out, uh, I, don't, I don't see them, you know, uh, uh, losing uh, with games left to play. I don't think they're going to leave games on the table. It might come down to one shot or a couple of shots or a period in game seven, but I didn't see them, uh, you know, uh, being swept definitely. And I don't, I don't think they'll go quietly. You know, it's funny to me because we watched Russell uh, Westbrook have a triple double this season playing like half their schedule against non-playoff teams. And it was a big ordeal, but here we have LeBron James, who has played playoff defending teams, and yet he has averaged a triple double in the NBA Finals, and 
nobody bats an eye. Nobody really cares. Like, that, uh, that, instead, they just talk garbage about LeBron James. So we, we were supposed to appreciate Russell Westbrook doing these all these games and have it for the season when he played a bunch of mediocre garbage teams uh, mixed in with some playoff teams. But we're supposed to talk garbage about LeBron James, who's done it against all playoff contending teams and against the Golden State Warriors. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with um, supporting cast. I mean, I think within the media um, that the media takes it and says, well, Russell Westbrook has no help, which rightly or wrongly, I think they look at LeBron James, and I'm not saying it's his fault, but, and, you know, he certainly deserves the credit such as like like Michael Jordan did for for you know really leading the Bulls as far as on court, okay. Um, but I think the problem with a lot of these guys that take precedence and and seem to be media magnets, okay, is there's a certain element of jealousy with the fans too, um, and possibly some players when you look at it with the publicity they get, okay? And and I think some of it, too, is, you know, not the top guy off the pedestal. And I, I really feel that a lot of it, whether it's from the fellow players or fans, I think a lot of it has to do somewhat with jealousy. I really do. Oh goodness! Um, what was the uh, the the other? Oh, I thought the other. I, I don't know if you caught this or not, but uh, did Kevin Durant call Draymond Green a liar? Um, according to reports, and according to Draymond Green, after um, in which a lot of people have come out. If you watch Uninterrupted uh, with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, they both called him a bit. You know what? For doing this, but after the game seven loss, um, Draymond Green said he called uh, Kevin Durant. Basically, was recruiting right after they lost, uh, which has made him catch a lot of flack for uh, being not so manly and just manning up and playing some basketball. But then Kevin Durant uh, in a post uh, in an interview I watched the other day, and people were questioning whether or not he's just calling Draymond Green a liar. Um, he, he denies that Draymond Green ever contacted him or called him after game seven. Um, did, you, did you did you see that? I think, yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it, CJ, and I, that's that's just. I have to say, it didn't surprise me because Draymond Green was uh, known is known to rub people the wrong way, and it doesn't surprise me that yes, okay, for, from post, from the opposition, he could definitely. Uh, rub people the wrong way, but it doesn't surprise me that his mouth gets into trouble uh, with teammates as well. And uh, I guess it's not too wise to get on the wrong side of Kevin, you know, Kevin Durant either, but it's sort of, you know, often on the side, it doesn't surprise me that he rubs teammates the wrong way. And this is this is just a case of where, one instance became public. I think I think we might be, you know, 
we we wouldn't be surprised if we were part of the media in uh, you know the Oakland area and covered him on a day to day basis or the team on a day to day basis. I don't think it would be a surprise that there are a certain amount of teammates that also he rubs the wrong way. I'm not surprised by that at all. Ah, goodness. What do you think? Do you think, uh, think the, the Cleveland Cavaliers can pull this out tonight? I, I don't see them, you know, losing this game. I mean, They've they've had their backs to the wall so many times and had people say, okay, well, somebody finally got the best of them. And and somehow it's it's very strange to me, um, CJ, that teams don't like – it almost seems like certain teams don't like to have it easy, okay? You could say, like, you know, if they have big leads and they – they dwindle. The leads dwindle. It's like some teams don't know how to deal with success. And I'm not saying that's the case of the Cavaliers, but there's also teams that they have to be back to the wall and face with elimination before they, you know, before they play at times. And I don't know how, I don't know why that is because as a player, it seems to me like some breathing room. You know, and I I don't know it I it's very it's strange to me because it happens in all sports at times. It just there are certain teams in certain situations they don't know how to deal with success. It's crazy. The last uh, seven players to have forty plus um, in the NBA Finals is Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. I, I thought that was an interesting. Especially knowing that, um, especially knowing that Steph Curry's been in the NBA Finals, uh, knowing that Kevin Durant's been in the NBA Finals, um, knowing that Clay Thompson's had some good games throughout his career that was in the NBA Finals, um, it kind of surprised me that um, the last seven players to have a 40-plus game in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean that that was surprising to me as well, because you look at the cast that the Cavaliers had. You think that it, you know, you'd think as a fan again, looking from the outside, and you would know more than me, uh, watching the team on a pretty much daily basis all throughout the playoffs and all throughout the season, for, you know, from almost from training camp on forward, uh, that it be Kylie Irving all the time. Not not to say he's not good or, or, you know, not a good player, but you would think with his supporting cast that at some point with the, with the whole entire cast that the Cavs have, that at some point somebody else would step forward and have a good game. But it always seems to be Kylie Irving that's digging them out of a hole. You know, if it's not LeBron, it's Kylie Irving. Well, the Cavaliers are familiar with having their backs up against the wall. Um, It's it's ironic because uh, 
as easy as they make it seem at times, uh, other times it seemed like they make it more difficult for themselves. If you remember a couple years back um, that they, Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Love both get hurt, and LeBron and company, you know, do the unthinkable and win a couple games, and it looked like, you know, they were going to give Golden State everything they could handle before it just got to be too much, and LeBron put do it all himself. And then last year, they wait to go a 3-1 deficit before they uh, um, come back to win that. And then this year, they wait until they get a 3 nothing deficit before they, uh, they, they begin this uh, thing. How funny would it be, though, to, to watch Kevin Durant leave an Oklahoma City Thunder team that was up 3-1 to one in the Western Conference Championship to Golden State and lose to go to the team that was up three to one in the NBA Finals and lose to end up being up three nothing in this year's NBA Finals and lose. I that um, I don't think, and, and I'm not a Kevin Durant hater. Uh, Fourth day, I, I just don't care for anybody other than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, <laughs> but the jokes, the comments, the the memes the Facebook posts, the Twitters, the tweets, whatever, they will never be ending if Kevin Durant blows a 3-1 lead to go to a team that blew a 3-1 team, together blow a 3 nothing lead, um, there, will, there will never be no win to that. Yeah, well, you, then you see the people saying, and this would be the mild version of what they would say, but you know how the saying goes, CJ, that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Well, yes. there you go. Those that those type of comments are going to come, you know, ad infinitum, as you say. It, it just, you know, you you moved on thinking you got a better situation somewhere else, and you it bit you in the, you know, it, you know, it bit you, and that's. You know, and that that would be ironic, though, that, like you say, uh, with the same situation in the other direction in terms of the deficits. Well, let's uh, let's play uh, around the sports world. As Mike uh, was blowing up my Facebook uh, feed earlier, um, we were yeah. trying to reserve uh, the NASCAR talk for in between Natalie and uh, Hannah tonight. Um, so let's just outside of uh, Pocono this weekend, which we had two interesting races and we had one hell of a finish the truck series that was somewhere else. Um, what else in the sporting world do we have that uh, we need to jump into tonight, Mike? Okay, interestingly, in uh, football, uh, and I read about this. I guess it's a free agent pickup. Uh, and uh, Eddie Lacy, who used to be with the uh, Packers and who went over to the Seahawks of all teams, as we talk about the differences that the Seahawks have had within their locker room, uh, turns out that Eddie Lacy had a weight problem, or maybe not a problem, but he came in at a weight. Um, it was not a surprise either. Right, that that. There's not that, uh, come to find out. There's none of that. It, we all knew this. Well, in terms, I I I don't know what 
for a football player would be a weight problem in terms of a running back. I mean, I know you don't want uh, them to be built like a, uh, uh, you know, like an offensive lineman, but the idea of the story was that he had an incentive to meet uh, to get a financial bonus to get, to get in under a weight as of Monday, which was today, and he did indeed make weight, so he gets a financial bonus from the Seahawks for making weight. Now, he's got to, I guess, maintain that weight, but um, they, they basically put a deadline on him to reach the weight, his, I guess, his playing weight that he will be playing at or attempt to play at. And, again, I didn't get all the details about the money, but there, is an, there was an incentive for him uh, monetarily in his contract. If he made weight by today, um, he would get paid an extra amount of money, and he made weight. And so um, Eddie Lacy is down to his playing weight. And now between now and, I guess, training camp, he's got to maintain that weight. Um, at least when they when they go to training camp now, he's got to report at that same weight. Um, and that would be considered his playing weight. Apparently, Pete Carroll uh, set that weight for him. And uh, I guess my point, CJ, was I didn't look at Eddie Lacey and say this man had a weight problem, but I guess they, they wanted him to come in at a trimmer weight than what he was at. So, um, bottom line, he made weight and will get financial financially rewarded for it on top of his free agent contract. Um, so, that's football. Um, baseball, Matt um, Scherger from the Washington Nationals, who happens to be in my Mets uh, division, um, but um, he is the third fastest pitcher to get to 2,000 Ks in a career. Uh, I I don't recall from the story. I, the fans can read it, I suppose. Uh, I'm sure it's in there that there were two other pitchers that got to 2,000 Ks um, before him, and but he is the third fastest to get to um, 2,000 career um, um, strikeouts. So um, that, that was a story that came out today. Also, um, the, the other uh, story other than tonight's game, which obviously hasn't been played yet, um, but as far as basketball, the uh, playoffs in hockey, um, the two stories that were related, and then we have other NASCAR stories, which we will talk about after um, Natalie and Hannah or between, as you say, CJ. But the other non-NASCAR um, non, uh, uh, story, stories, two of them related, were about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Number one, obviously, the Penguins wrapping it up um, on a goal by uh, 
one of their support players uh, that's not that doesn't roll off the tip of the tongue. It came down to like a shot in the third period with like a minute left or something like that. They took it to the very end and ended up on the goal um, winning. Uh, and also, uh, again, related, there were two stories, uh, Sidney Crosby um, winning the uh, Conn Smythe as playoff MVP. And I, you know, I agree with you, CJ. I don't know how much the playoff MVP means, but I'll say this. I think in Sidney Crosby's case, and I think Izzo would agree, um, not just because he's a Penguin fan, but I think Sidney Crosby more or less gets these, these awards for his season long performance. And, but they, they consider it a playoff MVP, um, I guess because it's always been categorized that way. But for someone like Sidney Crosby, um, it almost seems like he's given these awards because he, he you know, performs so well all throughout the season. Uh, third fastest to hit 2,000 strikeouts. How, how's that? I, I, I was kind of skimming through stuff. Uh, how fast did it take him to get there? Did it say? Uh, no, it just gave the and the two other people that were ahead of him, and I don't know, I don't remember from seeing it because I just browsed through it before I printed it, before I posted it, um, that there were two other people before him that got there maybe, you know, uh, well, not maybe, but faster. And I don't know how how much sooner, but uh, he he'd been known to, and he was good with the Tigers, too. He was the individual who uh, signed as a free agent, I want to say, two years ago now. In his second year with Washington, um, he was also like a, a number one or a now, actually, he was number two, I believe, on the in the uh, Tigers' rotation behind Verlander. But he had he had been a, a pivotal part of their uh, rotation as well. Uh, whether he was two or three in their rotation, I think he was two behind Verlander. But uh, he is known as a strikeout pitcher. Uh, that's his strength, and. Um, so it wasn't strange to see that you know he's one of the you know he's one of the better strikeout pitchers in in both leagues as it turned out with the Tigers and and with both teams and with the Nationals, um, but they apparently um, knew what they were getting and obviously uh, he signed for big money when he signed. I remember when he signed with the with Washington. Um, he actually turned down um, the Tigers. The Tigers wanted to give him a lot of money to stay, and he actually turned them down, and I believe he took even a little bit less or was offered less um, than he even anticipated when he signed with Washington because I remember um, that the Tigers wanted to lock him up, and he he refused, uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't, me up with the Tigers, he decided to free agent waters and ended up 
signing with Washington, I won't say it was uh, for less or for a great amount less, but I think the bottom line was he ended up signing for less with Washington than he would have gotten with the Tigers. I know everybody in Cleveland must be uh, fixated on the Cavaliers right now, and rightly so, but how are the Indians doing, CJ? Are they holding up their end of the bargain with the division? I know I know. in game one they, they were second place uh, in, the, in the central. Uh, talk about another 3-1 dis- disappointment there. Um, and mm-hmm. those, quickly, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, or I'm sorry, the Cleveland Indians were up 3-1 in the World Series, and uh, they let that one go uh, go to waste there as well. Um I'm going to do this as I'm pulling this up real quick because I don't recall we did this at the uh, the beginning of the show, and I, I do apologize. Uh, make sure you guys uh, check out Fit for Life. You guys go to their uh, Facebook page, Fit for Life, and also go to our site, www.110nationsports.com, the right-hand side. Click the banner. Got it right there, right on top of the ad. Find a location near you, 24-7, 365. Get your chin off. Clean facility, courtesy staff, everything you possibly need or want. That is fit for life. Also, got to thank uh, Paige Stockdale of uh, um, and actually they've not they've not been doing good. Four of six in the last ten. They're still second place, barely holding on to second place with thirty-one and twenty-nine record. Um, when the playoffs, the NBA finals started, the Indians were up four games above five hundred. Now they're only two games above five hundred. Um, you can uh, find Pace Stockdale on Facebook, or you guys can go to our fan page, uh, find her post, she posts two or three times a day, get her information, or leave a comment. Um, Want to help your more fit 2017 U, 40% off for life. Great product, all natural products. Uh, just get up with Pace Stockdale. Also, got to thank the I 95 Sports Network and Mile High Radio for rebroadcasting, syndicating our shows. Without these great marketing partners, um, and networks, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and grow the way we grow. So I gotta thank each and every last one of them. Uh, yeah, um, the, the Indians only two games above 500. Like I said, they were four games above 500. Um, when the NBA Finals started, so um, not not so hot. <laughs> As they were 28-24, they're 31-29. They're, so what, 3-5 and five in the last uh, eight games? So, uh, I, don't think uh, to, I don't think in that division you have too much to worry about. I don't see any teams, like, uh, doing better than at, – at the end of the – you know, we'll see what happens by the playoff, by the playoff time, but I don't see anybody, any teams that are really stronger – uh, personnel-wise than Cleveland in that central division. That's historically been a weak division that Cleveland has uh, at least locked up um, pretty pretty uh, de- decisively in the regular season. 
and I don't see any of those teams in the Central having improved themselves that much in terms of getting past Cleveland at this point. We'll see what happens, but uh, I don't think you have too much to worry about in that division, CJ. On the Eddie Lacy thing, of course, we all know he had a weight problem. We had a weight problem in, in Green Bay, and that was part of the reason why um, he didn't play much and why he eventually departed Green Bay. Lacy's one-year deal includes bonuses tied to seven weigh-ins. The first one took place May 15th when Lacy needed to weigh less than 255 pounds. He earned the $55,000 bonus by weighing in at 253. During the season, Lacy's weight clause uh, clauses are tied to him being at 245 pounds or less. Pete Carroll has said he wants Lacey to play big, just not too big. Um, whatever he likes, that's what I like. Lacey said earlier this month uh, he's been uh, known for doing the P90X on top of the additional, in addition to working out and training with the Seahawks. Uh, I have experienced the P90X, the original P90X, uh, great, great program. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't realize, really realize how much thinner I had gotten and how much weight I had actually lost while I was doing it. Um, I happened to take the picture at day one, day 30, day 60. Um, I can't remember if I actually made it to day nine. I know I, I, know I didn't make it nine. I think I made it up to 60 and then work and everything changed up, but I didn't. Um, but I took pictures of at 1.30 and 60, and I looked back on him later on and honestly was kind of blown away by how much progress was made where you could see the weight loss, you could see the, the toning and the slimming down and um, the definition and things that were going on, and, and I, I so kicked myself in the butt um, for, for not completing that or keeping up with that. But uh, definitely a great system, a great workout program for any of those out there that want to know, does the P90X work? You know, you got all these stupid infomercials left and right out there. I can testify and be a testimonial to the P90X that, yes, if you follow the workout program and you follow their their meal plan or something similar, uh, and when I I did a different uh, eating plan, uh, that that somebody from GNC had put me on. He wasn't trying to sell me anything. As a matter of fact, I didn't even buy anything that day. Uh, he had told me what he had done to lose weight, and I went on his eating plan. When I went to the store, I was totally lost. I was like, how am I going to? And I'm looking at label after label after label. We, we must have been at Walmart two, three hours. Uh, and... I, it started to click, and I started to find the items that I needed to to use for his particular um, eating program that he had uh, put me on. And when I was standing in line, and this was back when it was uh, Miss CJ Sports, um, I looked at the items in the cart, and I looked at her, and I was like, you do realize that all these items that I had just bought are pretty much the same items that I was eating while I was on the P90X meal plan. Um, so I, I have a a more efficient eating plan, so you don't have to buy all the, you know, that they, they, they give you a meal plan basically to have a regular meal. You know, I, I think it was you know, a regular-sized meal for two or three people. 
with this meal plan, I, I basically had the same items, but I could um, prepare it around one person and, and fit it into my my schedule and, and my eating schedule. So, but uh, for those that are interested, yes, the P90X uh, program does work, and uh, I'm definitely compliment them on that. Um, the Seahawks and Lacey agreed to a one-year contract that includes 2.865 million guaranteed. Lacey can earn additional 2.685 million through incentives, including the weight clauses. So, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll definitely uh, be keeping up with that this year, as uh, any Lacey is going to be a big part of the running game for the Seattle Seahawks. And obviously, the weight is going to be a big part to um, whether or not he gets to perform, how often he gets to perform, and to what level he performs. So, uh, um, interesting. I, th- I thought that was a, a really interesting thing, and uh, um, it, it, it's good to see um, him, you know, trying to get things together and. Uh, Try to uh, make it where he could be in the NFL this year. The two things that stuck out to me in the article, uh, again, I didn't, I didn't, I knew there was a monetary incentive. I didn't catch how much, but uh, I knew, I knew that he was on a weight schedule in terms of um, different dates and having to meet a, a, a weight predetermined weight by that date, and also. Uh, they had asked him in the article, the reporter had asked him, uh, what got your weight out of control? And he very quickly blamed the fact that he was from Louisiana and loved good cooking. So obviously he knew uh, what to blame it on. But uh, um, And then I was going to ask you, you mentioned the, the, the plan uh, that you were on. Uh, I was about to ask if you would, uh, if you, you wanted to uh, email the Seahawks and put them in in touch with Page something, you know. But I guess I guess he doesn't read our pages or whatever. But uh, no, I, I offhand I didn't realize when he was with Green Bay that he had a weight problem because they didn't know oh, yeah. the issue of it. Or at least I didn't read that they made an issue of it. But anyway, um, I knew that there was that other guy that basically took his job. I didn't know it was uh, weight-related. Um, can't think of his name. I think the first name was John, and the last name had an S. I, mean, I really can't recall the name of the running back that took over for him, but I knew I didn't know it was related that knocked him out of the draw. You know what? What kills me about it, though, is to me weight is not a, a weight issue. It should never be an excuse or a reason when it comes to professional athletes. Um, you get paid millions of dollars to to include professional entertainers. Um, such as WWE, um, weight should never be an issue because this is what you get paid to do. This is what you get. Um, this is how you make your living. Um, when, when 
I and this is one of the reasons why I started getting back in the gym. Another reason why I started watching what I was eating is even as, as a bouncer, and of course I've been doing this for twelve, twelve years now. Um, God, I really thought the time I did this and, and walked away from it. I was retired permanently. Like I never thought I would get back into the old bouncing years of garbage. Um, and, and I say that, and they pay really good. And I have really no complaints other than my Friday and Saturday nights, 7 p.m. till 2:30 a.m. Um, or 5 p.m. I, I have no no Friday and Saturday nights. Three and it's four or five o'clock. No, so it was Sunday morning. It was six after six o'clock. Four o'clock. I got to bed. So yesterday was really a kind of a crapshoot and kind of just slept the day away because I, I was so. And then you turn around Monday morning back at it. Either, you know, the one one day I actually get off, if I actually get it off, um, this weekend coming up, I'll have Sunday off. Then I won't have the following weekend off at all. Uh, and I got to work both jobs every day next week, except for Sunday. Uh, it's just like a never-ending cycle. And that's why it, it kills me when I hear people talk about it. I really don't want to. You know, I, I just had this conversation talking about it. I, I, I just get tired of cooking dinner every night, or I get tired of you know, it, it must be rough that that's what you get tired of doing, just cooking dinner or, you know, doing something yeah. simple. I'm sitting there thinking, I, I get tired of working 80 hours a week, um, and, and there, there's no way into it. And there, there's no, well, I just don't feel like going today. There, There's no, I just don't feel like paying the bills or paying, every, you know, at this point, two households worth of people's bills. Um, it, it, it is what it is. And, you know, if I want to keep roof over my head and, and refrain from losing anything else that I'm going to lose, um, or could possibly lose, you know, I, I got to go make this money. So um, it, it, it blows my mind on that. But, um, you know, when, when I when I was doing this as there for a while, it was my only job, but as a full-time, pretty much a full-time job when I was doing Chapel Hill, I made sure that I maintained my weight and, and stayed in a very good shape. Um, it, it wasn't so much because I was bouncing. That was part of the reason. But... Um, at that point in time, I, I was just in weightlifting. Um, I, I just wanted to be down to a lower weight. And when I walked away from the bouncing last time due to, you know, car situation, I, I didn't walk away from it because I wanted to at that point in time. I still needed money. But I honestly thought when I walked away from it, it was kind of relief. Because even at that point, I worked every weekend. I was an assistant manager at that point in time. So it was go in at 9 o'clock on Friday night, get off at, it was more like 3 o'clock. I, I would get home, get to bed about 3.34. It was more about 4 o'clock when I would get to bed. I would lay down for 30 minutes, turn around, get up at 4.30, go do the, the circle K from 5 a.m. till 3 p.m., get home. If I was lucky, I would catch a two-hour nap, uh, or a four-hour nap, I'm sorry, from 3 to 7, get up, get, well, 3 to, well, I'd get home about 4 to 8. It was a four-hour nap, 4 to 8. Then I would get up, do the whole bouncing thing again, do the whole get a 30-minute nap, and then I would go all day Sunday until 3 o'clock. And then because that was into the weekend, um, a lot of times I would go home, get showered, get changed, and maybe go up to where I was bouncing, hang out, shoot some pool, watch some NASCAR, watch some football, have some drinks, and then I would pass out about 9, 10 o'clock. And so I'd have maybe five hours sleep all weekend long, then it was Monday. And Monday was sleep day. Like, that day was just gone. Like, I always had Mondays off. So, um, there, 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 there was no, you, you weren't getting anything out of me on Monday. 
but I, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I had personal reasons why I maintained my weight and uh, was worried about, you know, being in physical shape. It wasn't just because that I, I was doing the bouncing gig, but that was also part of it. And once, you know, I, I became full time, you know, that, you know, that that was, I made sure to, to stay on the bouncing. And uh, like I said, when I walked away from it, I, you know, I hadn't planned on walking away from it in life and only having one car and being stuck at home so she could go do whatever she wanted to do and just really had no life other than I wanted to walk somewhere um, and, and just bad bad life choices, bad eating habits, uh, you know, put the weight back on. And now, you know, a couple months ago, I got back into, you know, doing some bouncing again. And, you know, I've worked hard at losing the weight, losing weight, and I've lost quite a bit of weight. I'm um, hoping to get finances situated so I can get back in the gym right now. I can financially afford to even spend the gas to go to the gym most days. Um, but uh, as a professor, you know, if I took it that serious and find it to be that important in the money that I make, as a as a bouncer, I I don't understand how anybody that is a professional athlete or in the professional business of portraying an athlete. Well, I'm not gonna say portraying an athlete, but I feel even though most of that stuff in WWE is fake, I'm sorry, but they're still athletes to me because they are in physical shape. They 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 work out and um they they perform at the highest level. It might not all be real. But I'm sorry, you, you can call them what you want to call them, actors or whatever. Um, guarantee nine out of ten guys you pick up off the street physically can't handle doing what those guys do, what John Cena does on a, on a nightly basis, or what, you know, um, The Rock did, or, you know, I, I don't know I ain't watching so long. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I, I view them as athletes, athletes because they, you, you take them to any competition, they're going to outperform. Uh, most of those that show up to competitions to do bench press competitions or or do the uh, the the pole lift and whatever, um, there there there's different different classes and different competitions. Um, so I I just I don't understand how anybody in, in the professional athlete business could ever like the, the whole Eddie Lacy thing. I, I'm sorry, but. As good of a feel story, good feel good story this is right now, because um, he he made this weight and he gets a bonus, he gets to be in the NFL. It shouldn't even be a story. There should have to be a bonus incentive to get this man to be in the weight to play at the professional level that he should be playing at. Um, nor should this ever have been a story. He's a professional athlete. Either you get your fat, large butt in shape, make billions of dollars. Or you don't play. It's simple as that. And I'm sorry, that's just how I feel about it. Well, CJ, I got to I got to say this, and we've talked about business different aspects too, different times of of when it's come up on the show. There are certain sports where you don't expect a person to have a weight problem. Um, now, I'm not debating that baseball players are definitely athletes as well. What we talk about in the course of a game, they could be standing, if you're a left fielder, say, you could be standing out in the outfield for the entire game and hitting 
you know, hitting and being at bat maybe four times a game, and if the ball's not hit your way, you could basically read the, you know, not literally, but you could like read a newspaper out there. Well, you don't expect that of a football player. I think that's what's surprising also. They don't exactly accept it when they're off the field in terms of if your offense and the defense is on the field and vice versa. A football player is not one to just stand around immobile, you know, just stand in one spot. And that's the thing, too, that within the game itself, you don't expect them to, you know, to have a weight problem. They're not exactly a sedentary group. You know, they're they're constantly moving in the course of their game. And that that's what's surprising to me. I had no – obviously, you want your offensive linemen, your defensive linemen to be, you know, big as houses. That's another situation. But you don't usually see a running back with a weight problem, you know. No, <laughs> that, that that is like basketball players. I, I I don't understand like big baby Davis. How do you ever have a weight a basketball player with a weight problem? Like you run up and down the court. Like there should never ever be a conversation about concern about weight with anybody um, in the NBA ever. Right. That's what was so. That's what was so surprising from my era, CJ, and probably you might have seen this individual play early on, Daryl Dawkins uh, with the 76ers, and I believe he played a little bit with the Nets as well at the end of his career. But um, he was he – was and Charles Barkley at one time too uh, had was known to have a middle – uh, a rather large abdomen as well. And so, you know, but that that's like you say, running up and down the court constantly. You wouldn't think of a basketball player having a weight problem. Now, I mean, I can understand baseball players, and, and I, I know I'm going to piss off the uh, the Major League Baseball fans out there, but I'm sorry, Major League Baseball to me is like one of the most, one of the most least physical sports. That there's possibly is, but I, I grew up playing baseball. I played uh, probably a good five or six, maybe even longer years of, of baseball growing up. But it is. I mean, you you spend half the game sitting in the dugout. You you get up and you bat what once every two or three innings at best. You run ninety feet and you stop. You run ninety feet and you stop. You run ninety feet and you stop. <laughs> um, you hit all run. All you gotta do is walk around the bases. Um, and then if you're out in the outfield, the only time that you you know you're not sitting in the dugout, you got to sit there and wait. If you're out on, on the field, you got to sit there and wait for the ball to hit. If your pitcher does his business, then you might stand there the whole game and not use any physical energy. Energy. And then if they do hit the ball, then it's only if the ball gets hit to you. You run to the ball, you throw it, and you're done. I mean, there, there's no, there, there's nothing really. I'm sorry. Um, I know there's more to it, but I couldn't. When you compare it to other sports. Sorry, but baseball is one of the most physical sports, in my opinion, and you know that that kind of explains why we we've seen such large uh, baseball players um, throughout. Uh, you know, Tony Gwynn, Earth Buck, and Ovon. Uh, well, we we could go on and on about uh, oversized bad baseball players, 
But, you know, to me, that's part of the reason why that we've seen so many oversized baseball players not necessarily, necessarily the most, um, you know, you're only required to run 90 feet. Okay, right, if, you, well, you can turn in, if you can turn it into a double, turn it into a double. If not, you know, while, we're, while we were counting on you, we get 90 feet anyway. Right. Well, if you look at a baseball diamond, uh, look at it this way, CJ. I've always done this. You got the pitcher. There's, there's only, to me, three positions where you're handling the ball basically every play and in on every play. Pitcher, catcher, and then first baseman. Because even if you if you throw a bunch of ground balls, the first baseman is the only one who catches the ball. Hopefully on every every play, because and no matter where the ball is hit in the infield, you got to throw to first base. So you're talking about the pitcher, the catcher, and the first baseman are really the three players positionally that is that are in on every play. And then that even that's not always true for the first baseman because you could have fly balls you could have fly balls, you could have, you know, balls to the outfield, whatever. But basically realistically if you keep the ball in the infield, there's three people that handle the ball on every play. Pitcher, catcher, and first baseman. Oh no! Like I said, I, I just don't. To I me, mean, there's no excuse. Like I said, and we're getting ready to get Natalie here in the studio. I know it's a feel-good story that Eddie, Eddie Lacy has lost all this weight and is going to be playing for the Seattle Seahawks and get his fifty-five thousand dollar bonus. Blah 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 blah. But at the same time, to me, there's no excuse ever that a professional athlete or those that portray. Um, uh, playing a sport, so such as the WWE. I'm sorry, I just can't counter the sport, even though I view them as athletes. There's no reason that there should ever be a weight issue, and I'm sorry, there should never be a bonus incentive for you to get your weight back under TV. You want the multi-million dollars, or you don't want the multi-million dollars. There's no, hey, we're going to pat you on the butt and pamper you, so you can lose some weight. We're going to give you some extra money so you can lose some weight, so you can make all this money. Come on. that that That's just like... Uh, I don't even know. I might, I might try to come up with something real quick. We got Natalie Decker. Anyway. Uh, we got yeah. Natalie Decker, De- got Natalie Decker uh, returning to the show tonight. Uh, Going to catch up with her and see how her return to Wisconsin went. And then talk to her about Pocono. Um, and a very interesting track. Returns. A lot of speed. Of course, that being Natalie's first time. Um Learned a little bit, so I'm sure she probably learned a lot. Also, mechanical issues. Um, so, I'm going to pick her brain on a few things and uh, see what it was like for her and uh, see what's coming up and uh, see uh, what she is uh, going to uh, get ready for in the next race. Think about those and everything. I'm sure we'll get into that, though. So, without any further delay, let's go ahead and get her in the studio. Natalie, how are you doing tonight? Good. Thank you for having me. Hey, Thank you for coming back. <laughs> uh, before we jump into this, as always, give me an opportunity to plug yourself. Uh, social media could be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and knowing that you are the queen of social media, I'm probably missing something that you can add <laughs> to it. 
um, team site, personal site, sponsors, anything you want to throw out there. That way um, the fans can keep up with you, not only in the 2017 season, but also moving forward in your career. Yeah, I have a website, NatalieDeckerInc.com, and all my social media from how to get to my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, it's all on that website. So if you just go there, you can find anything about me on that. Um, first things first, before we jump into Pocono, in between um, Elko and Pocono, uh, I believe I'm saying that right, um, you went back home and raced as well, didn't you? Not in between Elko and Pocono. I went straight from Elko to Pocono, so I didn't have time to race my super late back home. We had, the last time we had you on, though, was right, was it right after Toledo? Yeah, it was right after Toledo, and I did a few okay. super late model races after Toledo before, before Alpha. Okay, that's what it was. Gotcha. Um, well, was 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 let's begin with that. Um, went back home, did some late model races. How did that go for you? How did it feel to go back home and be back on some familiar track, um, especially after doing some tracks that you've never done in a car that you've never been in? Um, what was it like to go back home and uh, be a part of something that was familiar for uh, for a change? Yeah, it was good to be in my familiar super late models that I've been racing for a few years now. But we were at a track I've never been at before. We raced at oh. Jefferson with the Arca Midwest Tour, and I fell in love with that racetrack. It was so much fun. Um, we were running really good all day in practice and, and in the race, but our brakes went out within – like 20 laps into the race. So we didn't get to finish it. We had some bad luck. But other than that, um, with the super late, it's been going really good. We've been really fast, but we've just had had some bad luck with, with the car. Um, what was that track like? What was it that you liked and fell in love with that track? What, what, what um, characteristics about that track that made you uh, love that track? So one and two is really, really sharp and flat. You have to, like, lift at the flag sand to make it into that corner. And then three and four is a little bit wider and more banked, and you run up by the wall. So it's like you have to be really consistent and focus really hard on your points, or else you'll mess up your whole lap. Sounds, uh, definitely sounds uh, interesting. Uh and um, definitely uh, having to approach both those uh, those ends of the track differently. Um, then you went to Elko. Um, where is that track, first of all? It's um, in Minnesota. And what so was I, that track? I don't really know where. Uh, that I've raced there with my super late before. I've loved that track ever since the first time I've been to it. And you just have to be really smooth and patient there. And we were running really good there with the Arca car. Um, and then I think we got spun out with 20 to go or something. We were, I think we were in like seventh or sixth when we got spun out. Now, where did you uh, end up finishing for that race? I think we were uh, 13th in that race. That's right. Um, what did you learn from that track 
Uh, was there anything you could take to Pocono, first of all? Um, but being in the Arca car, and obviously this is something that, you know, you, you, you're kind of building your, your uh, I'm not going to use the word resume, but trying to trying to familiarize yourself with the car as you're working to eventually hopefully have a, a, a full season in the ARCA series. Uh, what did you learn with learn from that track? That, what did you take away from that track that um, you're going to use moving forward? Uh, after Toledo, we really needed to work on our restart. <clears throat> and so that was, like, one of my main things I really wanted to work out, work on at Elko, and we got way better at them and really good at those at Elko, and then the other one we started struggling with lap traffic. So that that hurt us a lot, was all the lap traffic. And so going into Pocono, I needed, I had my restarts down then, so I needed to work on the lap traffic, and we still struggled a lot at Pocono with the lap traffic. So going into, into more races with the ARCA car, I definitely need to work on that. Now, compared to the ARCA series, compared to your, your local stuff, um, is there a lot more lap traffic that you've got to deal with? I'm assuming because maybe the races are longer that there might be more of that going on. Um, is there a lot more lap traffic that you deal with with the ARCA series versus what you normally deal with at, a, at your local track? Yeah, I at my local track, we deal with almost, no lap traffic at all. So when we went to these ARCA races, Toledo wasn't too bad. There was a few cars every probably eight, ten laps that we were lapping, but Elko was every other lap. And I've never had to deal with that before, so that was very new to me. How, how hard is it to adjust to the, the different speeds of the cars and, and passing these lap cars? I you know I, I, I can only imagine you, you trying to – Especially describing the track where you, you kind of let go of the gas, basically the flag stand, and going to one, two, and then you're you're angling a different in three, four. So now you're, you're trying to time these corners and these angles because they're different. And then on top of that, you're trying to time and gauge the speed of the lap traffic. Also, the traffic or you know the guys competing around you. Um, how? How difficult is that for a driver, especially young and new to all this yourself? Um, and what were they telling you in your ear to kind of help guide you through that? Well, at, at Jefferson with the different corners, we didn't have okay. Okay. lap traffic there. But at Elko, my spotter was very helpful with me and saw that we were struggling with it and helped me and talked me through the whole thing. And even before I was coming out of, let's say, turn four, and there was a lap car in turn one and two, he was already talking me through it and saying, all right, you're going to roll up on him probably at this point, do this. And he would talk me through the whole thing, which is really helpful. But then going into Pocono, we're going way faster than we are in Elko. I mean, I just went from the smallest racetrack to Arca, the Arca Series races on to one of the biggest <laughs> and one of the fastest. So, it was very different because the lap traffic was a lot slower. That I had a different spotter for, and he did very well. He talked me through the whole thing, and I don't. Even, he didn't even know that I was struggling with lap traffic. We didn't talk about it, but he did a very good job on helping me like roll up on them and 
and pass them on the inside or the outside or follow this guy through. So, so I, it really helps with the spotter talking you through it all. Now, I'm, I'm going to take a break there for a second. I'm going to let Mike jump in before I even get into Pocono. I've got a lot of questions about Pocono. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Yes. Uh, hi, Natalie. I just wanted to ask you a couple of things relating to Pocono because that's the one track I know of being from the East and actually having gone to Pocono uh, well, once uh, from uh, for a modified race. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts being, having raced there for the first time in an ARCA car about the different uh, corners because Pocono is known to have, even though it's an oval, um, they call it a triangle because of the three corners and how tricky it is uh, in the in each of the different corners. Um, how did you, how do you feel you adapted to that um, that situation with the three corners being so different? Yeah, I now know why they call it the tricky triangle. It is very <laughs> tricky. Three and well, three. There's no turn four really. So three was the easiest for me I got that down right away and then after that the tunnel turn then was where I got that corner down and turn one all the way up until the end of the race or until our tranny went out um, I was still struggling with turn one that was the hardest one that I had to figure out and it was the I the entry into one I could keep it consistent enough to set me up coming off so it would just hurt me all the way coming up off of one. And it would be like I would get it, and then two laps later I wouldn't. And then I would get it. And then, so so if I could go back there again, I definitely would love to so I can get turn one down because I love the tunnel turn. The tunnel turn is awesome. <laughs> with the straightaway, with that large straightaway, the, that very long straightaway, uh I'm just curious, how much how much of a break can you take as a driver in terms of, okay, I just fought my way off the turn uh, and so forth, and obviously going at that speed, it's not like you can, you know, sit back and take a break, but is there a little bit, uh, uh, you know, a respite for you as a driver to say, okay, now it's just a matter of going fast, you know, I don't have to do anything special with the car. This is a, you know, this is a long straightaway. Uh, again, not that you can, you know, stop being attentive, but it seems to me like you can, you know, take a little bit of a break uh, from the stress of, okay, what do I do now type of deal, correct? Yeah, the front straightaway is really, really long. So coming down that, you know, you have a lot of time to look at your gauges and look at your mirrors. Um, but other than that, it's really, it's actually almost harder to have that long of straightaway because you can lose focus so much easier. And that's the biggest thing is going down that long front straightaway, I think for me, is it's a mile long and you're coming to one, you can't even see the cones yet on, on one to lift. And then when you finally get there, you're like, it's like 30 seconds later, <laughs> you know, you're just going straight for about 30 seconds. Right. So, yeah, well, so I think it's actually harder just because you have to get yourself to focus so hard on something that's 
that's kind of it's not simple but it's a lot simpler than racing like on a a mile track where you're where you're constantly almost doing something right and it, and that's interesting that as a driver you took you know you took a different course than they thought you would take because to me and I've you know I've been around racing for a while wrote about it and so forth uh it's a situation where I was thinking you could take a break more or less, not not again to, you know, forget about what you were doing, but that front straight always seemed to me as a as an observer of something you could take a break and say, okay, this is just racing, you know, go fast. This is what we do. And you took the opposite thing where you were worried about losing focus, you know, going into the next turn. So that's interesting. Uh, the other thing that came up that I was interested to ask you about, um, because CJ and I touched on it last week a little bit, um, I don't even know if as a driver you would know this, and I guess we more or less talked to an owner about this, but the entry list, you weren't listed on the entry list till like the very, it seemed like the very end of the weekend or, you know, in in terms of the very right before the race, uh, is there a deadline that you have to, you know, be put onto the entry list? And maybe maybe it was because I was talking with CJ and we were thinking maybe it was an error on the part of the ARCA website, which obviously you have nothing to do with, but they didn't list you on the entry list or, in the fantasy league until the very end. And I, I was interested in how soon and how quick uh, the drivers have to be entered. And is there a deadline or can you be listed up right up until the, almost the race occurs or practice occurs? Yeah. Um, with the entry list thing, uh, I had to do the test. Um, the two days before we raced, we tested um, on Wednesday and we raced on Friday. And they had to wait until after that test. Since I'm a rookie, and I haven't uh-huh. been on a track. I haven't been on a track that's bigger than Gateway. Gateway was the biggest track I've ever been on. So okay. I had to pass. I had to pass kind of the test with ARCA before uh-huh. I could get put on the entry list. Well, there we go. There we go, CJ. There's our answer. I was always wondering about that, and obviously you had to be uh, approved for the track, I guess, or approved for the distance. Uh, no, I, I, that was interesting because I hadn't seen your name, uh, and for different reasons we were looking, obviously, and and, I, and the CJ says to me, well, she's there. She told us she was going to be there, and I said, I don't know why she's not on the list, but that that's the answer. Uh, so so that, that, that's, we thought it was more or less art. The fault of the uh, uh, website could have been wrong, and, and you just answered the reason for it. So uh, is there, based on your performance in these three races, taken as a whole, is there talk about any further, um, you know, ARCA races this year or, or are you currently working on that, or are they working on that, or um, what are you what are you doing from here on out? Is there any plans? There's there's one more, isn't there? Yeah, we're doing Road America, so that's it for sure yes, for this year. And you know, next year I'd love to do a full season, and that's our goal. 
And I, I hope we can all make it happen. My team and everything make that happen because that is the ultimate goal is a full season. But we have one more race to look forward to, and that's Road America. Okay. Now, now I know you said you had to, you had to wait until you did the testing before you could enter. Is there a deadline, though? Um, I, I don't know if that really got answered. Do you know if there's a deadline? Like you guys have to be, you know, approved and entered by, you know, by the time practice begins, qualifying begins. Do you, do you know that answer, Natalie, or is that something above, kind of above your pay grade? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know because they knew I was going to be there at the test and they knew I was going to do the race if I passed the test, kind of gotcha. in a way, you know. So I don't know what the deadlines are or any of that. I assume there would be one, but I have no idea. Yeah, we were we were we were both making sure we was going to pick you on our, our fantasy league, which we both got you on yeah, uh, yeah. on our on our on our league. We we have every week that you read. Um, but um, first first uh, question is um, when when we talk about Pocono, have I, I know it's a fast track, and I know that front stretch um, produces a lot of high speed. Have you had you ever traveled at that speed before um, going before you went to Pocono, or was this all new speeds for you as well as it being a new track. Yes, this was the first time I was going that fast. And I remember I was getting strapped in to my car and there's already cars on the racetrack and you just heard them go by on that front stretch. And I looked at that guy that was putting on my window nut and I was like, wow, that even sounds fast. <laughs> <laughs> like so nervous, and he's like, "Oh, you'll be now, fine, you'll be fine." <laughs> now, when when you was out there turning those laps, and then that first lap or two that you was going that speed, did it feel like it was that fast, or it just seemed that fast when you was outside the car? But once you was in it, um, it didn't really seem that fast. Yeah, the first lap it felt fast. Um, it did okay. feel as fast as I was going, and it definitely looks a lot faster when you're watching. Um, but once you're in the car, the track, you know, the faster you're going, the bigger the racetrack, and it's just all, it's just like all blends together. You know, you don't, you don't realize how fast you're going. Now, Pocono, um, and I don't want to take the the, uh, the importance of the other tracks. Obviously, the other tracks that you did, you know, up and going to Road America, are are helping build your your um, your experience. To, your career, but Pocono is one of those tracks that is on the Xfinity Series. Uh, well, it was this year. I think it was the second time they ran there, but on the, the, the Sprint Cup Series, the Monster Cup Series um, schedule, and, and obviously that's your ultimate dream is being out there on Sunday afternoon with tough guys and girls. Um, when you go to a track like Pocono that is on the series, um, is is it a different feeling for you? It is a little bit different versus these other tracks that the cup guys never go to, or is it just the same for you out there? Um, you know, racetrack to racetrack, even though some I haven't been on in there. Yeah, it was just, it was another racetrack to me. I mean, it was cool that they were all there and everything. And, and, but when I was there, I, I was just thinking that just another racetrack. I just wasn't sure if it was one of those things that, you know, this is what the guys, this, this is what they drive on. You know, this is not the local Toledo track. This is Pocono. This is something that, you know, if my dreams come through, you know, this is one of those tracks that I'm going to be back at. So, 
Um, I, you know, I, I didn't know drivers had different feelings about different tracks and, and knowing that you know, this, this is the next big step kind of track. Um, big piss off. Well, it was, um, it was cool to see. It was cool to see, you know, the Xfinity guys and the Cup guys there while I was there. And that was really cool. And that, like, made me, like, even think more, like, wow, like, okay, I'm here and I want to be over there, like, where they are in those garages. So, so that was really cool, but you know when I was out on the racetrack, it was it was just my racetrack, another racetrack. Gotcha. Um, did you get an opportunity to uh, talk to any of the uh, other drivers in the other series, or was you know so much going on with what you had going on, plus them just kind of getting there at that point in time? Um, was there not much time for that? Yeah, there was not a lot of time at all. Every day I was at the track, I was either in the race car, doing PR stuff, autograph sessions, so. There wasn't a lot of time to go talk to anyone. I wish there was, though, because I probably would have. Matt, I um, have a question based on, um, sorry, CJ, um, about, uh, you know, we talked about the configuration and the turns and everything. They were talking the top series about how in the pit stops, if you had a fast pit stop, you didn't lose a lap because of the configuration of the track and the long railways and so forth. Uh, did you ever run, did you run into that in your in your race in terms of uh, you know if you pitted then not losing a lap or being on the same lap because of the configuration of the track itself? Um, we yeah we did pit. I I was speeding on the last like, segment of the pit road. I think I was, like, one mile an hour over. And we got a penalty for that. And that's what really hurt us then in the race at Pocono. And then it kind of went downhill from there. Then we so we lost a lap because we had to come back down pit road. And then our tranny went out. But but it, I learned a lot through the whole race. And, and we were running good all day, better than I thought we were going to do. And, and my crew chief was happy, and I was really happy. Right, I was just wondering about that if it played a role in the Arca race as well because they made they made a they made a statement you know about it on during the Cup race and I think even during the Xfinity race about drivers pitting and not necessarily losing a lap because of the configuration of Pocono. So I was wondering if it came into play um, during the Arca race as well. Yeah, I I lost the lap when I came back down pit road for for my penalty. How how long does how long does it feel like when you're going down, especially serving the penalty, knowing that you got to go back down pit road? How long does it feel like that pit road is when you're going back down there serving that penalty? Oh my goodness, that penalty felt so long. I felt like I I was going like for three minutes down pit road. It felt like it was never going to end. Um, but but you're going, I think your ceiling was 55, and it felt like I was going 25. <laughs> how uh, how far did you end up going over the speed limit? Was it something you just barely went over, or was it just Yeah, I just, I barely went over, and it was the last, um, like, pit wall, the pit wall ends, and then there's a cone, and we had to go until the cone, but right when the wall ended, I started speeding up. Definitely just a rookie mistake. I had no idea. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know pit road kept going. <laughs> what was the 
I, I know this is a hard question because this is a, a different track within itself and um, the speeds you've never traveled before. I mean, obviously you learn something from the, the fair road and, um, and, and you know, that's something you'll take away. But outside of, you know, the, the, the pit road, the speaking uh, violation and, and going to the tunnel from now on, uh, what else did you take away from this race that you feel that you'll be able to use, maybe not a road America, uh, being a different type of track, but uh, a familiar track um, down the line? One thing I'll definitely be able to take to um, bigger racetracks like Pocono and faster racetracks is when I would mess up in one corner, I just had to forget about it and just focus on the next because, you know, it's so long. It, it took us 50-some seconds, 50, like, four seconds to get around the whole racetrack. Those were those were about the times. And, you know, on a short track, if you mess up one lap, it only takes about 15 seconds to get around there. So you're fine. You don't lose, you don't lose a lot of time. But in Pocono, you do. And you just, you can't, like, beat yourself up over it because, you know, you're not perfect. People, like, we are going to mess up sometimes. And when I'd mess up, I'd just get so mad and, like, I couldn't forget about it, and I, I just had to. Um, Road America, when is that race? I believe it's in August. So we we got a nice little break, possibly a nice little break, unless something else comes up. Um, so what are your plans at this point? Are you just going to go back to Wisconsin for a while and run the local track? Or what, what are your plans now until then? Yeah, we got some cool little news coming up before we race Gateway, and that will be this weekend we're racing Gateway with the Arca Midwest Tour. So that's our next race, and then and then we'll just, you know, do a few local races in the Arca Midwest Tour and tell Road America. Um, anyway, you, you stay so big on Seems like uh, every time I see a picture, that was just like the the, the one post you post where uh, I think you were asleep. It's uh, somewhere in between Elko and Pocono. Um, and I think there was a dog in the picture or something. Um, and I, I think a lot of times people don't think I keep up with people and follow them. And uh, um, and, and I, I know I've said this before. Natalie, you have no choice but to keep up with Natalie. Um, she she makes sure that. Uh, <laughs> You you are well aware of what's going on and where she's at and everything else. Um, I, you know, I, I compared her many times to Danica and her social media. Um, now that you do an excellent job with that, there, there's no doubt that there's no for no reason nobody knows what's going on with you and where you're at and what's going on. Um, I, I think our next guest is uh, someone else that does a phenomenal job with that. And that's Anna Newhouse. Uh, she's coming on here in about 30 minutes and. and Keeping up with her and watching her social media as well is always entertaining. Um, Natalie, I want to uh, – I know I say this every time, 30 minutes by so dang on quick. Um, I, I want to uh, wish you the best of luck. Congratulations on, on the three races you've gotten to do so far. Um, hopefully maybe something opens up between now and then that uh, – um, you're, you, you get more opportunities to get more speed time as you know next year you wanted to get that full time ride. But uh definitely wanna wish you luck um going to Road America and uh, all the all the ARCA other events, the the mid mid Atlantic or 
Mitch, whatever you call them, and I'm kind of confused on what the difference is. <laughs> uh, I, think you, I think you explained before. What exactly is the difference between the ARCA, the regular ARCA series and the other ARCA series? So the ARCA series is, like, kind of national. It kind of follows, like, the Cup series. You know, it goes to all the bigger tracks and all over the place. And then the ARCA Midwest Tour is a completely different car. It's a super late model, and it's just up in the Midwest. Now, do they have ARCA Mid Midwest, or um, you said Midwest, but ARCA uh, South and ARCA East and other divisions in, in this, or it just they're just an ARCA Midwest and that's it? I think it's just an ARCA Midwest Tour. Um. But I, I think we 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 kind of had concluded that discussion before. I just couldn't remember. Uh, but good luck on that on that as well. Um, keep keep us in, informed. Um, obviously, keep doing what you're doing on social media. I, I love following the chronicles of Natalie and um, everything else that you go have going on. Um, it, it definitely makes it easier for us to keep up with everything that's going on. Um, look forward to uh, talking to you again, uh, maybe after a mid uh, Road America. Um, always always intrigued to hear about you and, and these new tracks that you get to go to and the new experiences, um, not just read it, but actually uh, get, get to having you on and, and talk about it. Um, but uh, wish want to wish you the best of luck, and you enjoy the rest of your evening and look forward to uh, having you back again. Thank you. Take care, Natalie. Good luck. Thank you so much. Good night. Natalie Zecker. Uh, Phenomenal driver, young, talented, phenomenal driver. Uh, I, I don't think we could say words that uh, really justify what what she is doing to this sport and what she uh, is being for it. You know, we talk about Danica, and I know she didn't break down the barriers, but she helped aid the path make it a little bit easier for those that are coming up through the sport than, than you watch somebody like Natalie that um, is continuing to pave the path. And um, I, I hate to use the terminology making it more acceptable. That, that shouldn't even be a terminology. Um, but for us to have more and more diverse athletes out there um, and and I, I can't express this enough, especially if you're a race fan out there. I can't express enough. If you really want to follow a race car driver um, and be able to feel like you're experiencing what it's like becoming a race car driver, you really need to follow Natalie, not only on Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram as well. I, I have the, the uh, privilege, and I, I've been doing this for a couple years now, um, I, I, I would have to even look and it even shows when you like somebody or like their fan page. Um, I know it's been a few years for me that, you know, I I had started following her and on Twitter and I think it's years as well. Um, it wasn't one of these things that, oh, we got her on the show and I know that. I, I, I've been following Natalie for a while and then we got her last year um, on Racing with Big Sweat. Well, um, the, uh, Bill, uh, Steve Billmeyer. I don't know why I kept wanting to say Bill. Uh, Steve Billmeyer actually got her on the show, and I got an opportunity to sit in on that. And uh, I, I think 
think originally what drew me to her is I came across Paige, um, and I can't remember her other cousin, um, but I, I think it was Paige that I came across her Twitter handle first. And then that's when I, I fell across the other two Decker girls, and I followed them as well. And then I, I believe I like all of them on Facebook. Well, but Natalie was the more aggressive one when it came to social media, and the one that kept coming across my timeline, and, and the one that was very interactive with fans. And um, it was one of those things that we were still at that point in time even though we were starting to be established as you're talking about us being, you know, here for about four years at that point and well, six years now. But I, I didn't feel that our resume was really deep enough. And, this, you know, this is going to say a lot about Natalie right now. I didn't feel that our resume was deep enough to chase somebody, get them on the show that had the backing, had the following, and had the social media presence. Um, I, I know Mike, he, he has no no filter. He'll, he'll go after whoever. I know Miss Lee, all I can do is say a name, and Miss Lee will try their hard to hunt down. Me, I'm a little more reserved. When, 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 there, there are certain <laughs> names, there's certain star power behind those names. I, I, radio is great for me because I, I, I get to sit here and I don't got to do the, the face-to-face and I don't got to do this and I don't got to do that. When I get to a track, I, I am not so outspoken. I'm not so, you know, I've had an opportunity to talk to different drivers. I've had an opportunity to, you know, do this, that, and the other, everything else, but not to the level that I should have at this point and not to the level I need to be. Um, you know, I, I, I feel you, and, and I know I should inspire our company years. I, you know, half the time I look at it as like, why is this person who has, you know, accomplished this, 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 want to talk to somebody that doesn't show out, you know, out of, out of the room and, you know, yeah, we, we've been to God knows how many events, God knows how many athletes can show, and, you know, we, we, you know, we, we kind of slid our, solidified ourselves above almost everybody else that's doing this, but, who am I to, you know, hey, let me get some of your time. You're a busy person. you got a lot going on. Um, you know, you know, just, just talking to Natalie and talking about not having the time you can go over and talk to stuff, guys. I mean, you know, I, I understand how busy you are. I understand how precious their time is. Um, and, you know, I don't know, and, and for those that think otherwise, all these times that all these athletes come on, I greatly appreciate their time. I understand how valuable I understand that they have 8 million things that they could be doing rather than sit here talk to me um, and, and entertaining Mike and myself's questions. I, I, I completely understand that. And so I, I don't want anybody for any, any second ever think that granted or don't appreciate the time, um, especially when you have someone like Natalie who's already been on the show three times. And I'd be willing to bet at this season alone, and I'll be willing to bet she's on at least one, if not more times, probably more than likely. Um, and, and, you know, that's why I, I go out of my way when I go to the tracks and try to, you know, not just take the people on the show, but, you know, when last year in the Arkansas there, I, I took the time to go thank Dalton Sargent. I took the time to go, hey, uh, thanks, Tom Hester. I took the time to go thank Doug 
because I know how valuable their time is, especially those that are returning, earning, earning, such as Dusty, such as Natalie, um, such as Hannah we'll have on later. Um, I know I know how valuable their time is, and, and for them not to just give up one 30-minute segment, give up multiple 30-minute um, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, but, you know, I had been following her for a few years leading up to her, or at least a couple of years, uh, up to her. Uh, up to her coming on Steve's show, and, and then the next thing I know, she's running for Bench Greeny Motorsport, and once we have a great relationship um, with them, I knew that it was a, a possibility, and I knew at this point we were more at the level and more at, you know, the backing of, okay, let's, let's get somebody on that, you know, is this, this you know, has this profile. And I, if I'm not mistaken, previously, I, I don't even think we ended up through Ben Trini Motorsports. I, I think uh, Ms. Lee ended up taking it off with her PR, and they have a great relationship. If, if, I, if, I, if I am correct, I don't know. Um, I just believe that was what was the conversation that she, she's just talking straight to um, Natalie, the PR. But uh, um, if, 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 I think that's where we're going. I think it's if you if you are a fan of race car drivers out there, and you want a great follow, and you want to kind of get to know what it's like, the experience of going through this um, and going through the ranks and working your way through and building your name and building your brand, definitely. Uh, um, you definitely want to uh, follow Natalie Decker. Um, and talk about the whole PR thing real quick. I tell you what, I was really clueless how all that was. <laughs> um, I'm glad Miss Lee does all that. Cause me, I look at it. If I reach out to you and ask you to come on, that's 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 who I'm talking to, and that's how it should go. Um, and, and quickly, did I you know was woken up to the world that they have eight million things going on. Um, that their PR kind of does their schedule and just like Miss Lee does our schedule of the show. Um, every once in a while, I'll get involved. With Scheduling, uh, you know, usually what will happen is if I get in contact with somebody, I'll, I'll first immediately go to Miss Lee and say, look, do we have anything going on this day or this, this, this day? I got somebody that I want to have come on the show. So I already clear with Miss Lee first. Then I, I, I go from that step. Either I'll hand it off to Miss Lee and let her do it or I'll uh, continue with the, the scheduling. But I, I, I completely, you know, having Miss Lee and her doing job that um, she does um, and how she keeps us from being over double booked and everything else. I, I completely understand how important the PR person with the necessity uh, part of having a PR person. But, uh... Yeah, CJ, you there? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was. I just wanted to add. Obviously, Miss Lee does a fine job for us, but I think uh, partially too, what happens is with racing teams, and I know this even on the local level. When I was helping you out at Myrtle Beach, in terms of names and different things like that, uh, I think it's important, and and you know this more than anybody, uh, and Miss Lee does. If you're fair with drivers, they, they, they'll they 
come back and they'll be back to, to help you out. And even on a local level, um, if you're if you're fair and unbiased, they appreciate that as as much as anything. And so that that's at the core of this too. And we've said it with many times with fans as well. Um, racers are more apt to be open about what they do and how they do it and fan interaction and so much of that is so important. And it helps us as media members, it helps the fans connect with them uh, and, and, and racers are a different breed when it comes to that. Ah. Uh. What was the the most interesting thing to you about Pocono when when listening to her talk? Because again, I'm more familiar with of all these of all the cup level tracks. Pocono is the one that I'm, uh, you know, most familiar with. Being from the area, even New York, and having having um, exposure to Pocono once in my life and, and following that more on TV than anything else. But that being the one track I've actually been to, uh, the interesting thing is how drivers, after their first time, uh, now obviously the cup guys have been there every year since, you know, since the track opened, I would think, and became an NASCAR-level uh, track. But the interesting thing to me, when you talk to somebody like Natalie Decker or some of the drivers that we deal with on other levels that go there for the first time, I think the two things that stick out is the con- – as and from a driving standpoint, and obviously I wouldn't know from being behind the wheel, but from talking to these people, um, the two things that stick out are the speed, even to a race car driver who, who you know, shouldn't notice speed, you know, basically over another track. I mean, that's what, you know... Naively, you could say if you're if you're not a fan or, or not, you know, really tuned in right away, you know, you you think, oh well, race car drivers that they they should be used to speed, but I think the thing that sticks out, and Natalie's not the only one I've talked to about this, uh, the speed is so much different at Pocono that even for a race car driver who's attuned to speed, they notice the difference right away. Um, like their first their first laps out there in practice, they notice it. And the other thing is the configuration of the different turns. Sometimes when you have, an, especially an oval, um, two, two turns can be, the same. If you watch it on TV, you say, okay, that's just turn one versus turn two versus turn three. There's three or four different turns. The interesting thing with Pocono is number one, it's three turns or three corners, but also just the, the configuration of the turns being so different, the different corners being so different. 
it's it's a noble, but it's more than like they say in, into a triangle. It's more three quarters than even four turns, and so that's that's the thing that well, you know, the drivers I've spoken to about Pocono say that it's it's the, it's the configuration of the track itself, and even that even the straightaway. Even that front straightaway, that real long front straightaway, uh, it almost takes drivers by surprise. Like Natalie said, you can almost be lulled to sleep almost, or you, you know lose focus because that one straightaway at the front is so is so much longer, and and with the speed you would think it comes on you faster, but even even from the standpoint of being quick on on the straightaway, they 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 have time, like she said, to, if they're not careful, they can lose focus before that before that turn comes up again. I turn off the front straightaway. So, uh, I would say that's the two things: the speed of the track itself. And the and the configuration of the actual layout. I I think the speed was one of the things that stuck out to me. Um, and I think the other is uh, the the uh, this, what it felt like it rode serving that penalty. I I can only imagine yeah. going going from doing speeds you've never done before. To going down pit road, maintaining pit road speed um, after already being penalized, and knowing that you got to even pay more attention and kind of even run. You want to say when you 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 serve that speed road speed uh, uh, speed limit uh, um, penalty, I'd be one of the best. They probably make sure by a good RPM or two lower than normal um, to reassure that they don't screw up and speed during their penalty runs down pit road. So I can imagine how slow that really felt. They um, can only imagine. Um, and like I said, that, that first lap or second lap, whatever it was, when she was up at full speed and you got down to that end of that uh, front stretch carrying speeds that you'd never carried before. Um I can only imagine what that was like. And then I, I think when we talk about Pocono, the thing that always sticks out to me is uh, Steve Billmeyer talked about being a Pocono. And I think it was uh, the introduction of the satellite at that point in time where they went to commercial break, but there was still cameras on them and they were still live, I believe, on the satellite <laughs> side. And where they caught yeah, him yeah. on camera scratching himself. <laughs> An inappropriate place on, on TV. Uh, that that always, always sticks out in my mind. Um, I almost forgot we were supposed to to talk about NASCAR um, because odds are once uh, Hannah gets off here about 9.30, we're probably going to wrap things up. We should be uh, halfway into the first quarter of Game 5 of the NBA Finals, so we we know where I'm going to be at. Pocono, um, interesting race this weekend. Um, I I forget how, how, how... how has Lowry ended up where he did in the Xfinity Series race? But I tell you what, that was one hell of a finish to the Xfinity Series race. Um, and then watching, you know, I didn't like 
how the 2011 Daytona 500, because that year was the year that they had the two-car tandem, and that was just the worst thing ever. But to know that Trevor Bain put Wood Brothers back in victory lane in 2011, um, that, that kind of, to me, was like, okay, I can forgive NASCAR screwing this up. My first experience today the Daytona 500 with this stupid two-car tandem garbage. So it was great to see six years later Ryan Blaney. We had this conversation on the show last week talking about I, I feel that Ryan Blaney will find his way to victory lane. I would be, I think my exact words would be, I would be shocked if Ryan Blaney doesn't win a race this year. Um, and then here, here you go the next weekend, and Ryan Blaney finds himself in victory lane. Um, I think the biggest, the coolest thing about that to me was where Ryan Blaney was in victory lane because they had the driver-only um, crew doing the Xfinity Series race. That we watched uh, Brad Keselowski jump into the uh, and get the reporter stuff and was down there in victory lane to do the post-race interview uh, with Brian Blaney. I thought that was really cool. Um, first question, yeah. Mike, um, what was your thoughts on the race, the driver-only um coverage of the Xfinity Series race. Was you a fan of it? Um, your, your thoughts on it? I liked it. I, I think, I, I wish they would do this more often and kind of use the same people so they were a little bit more familiar. I, I think it was kind of rough at times with these guys had never done it. I think by the end of the race, it was a little bit more natural. I would like to see this more often and not just one race a year. I'm not saying all the races, but let's, let's do this two or three times a year. Um, let's have the same crew do it two or three times a year. That way it gets a little bit better. Maybe the next year do a different crew if those, some of those guys or girls don't want to do it. Um, but to, to kind of be able to see the race and, and get it from um, the pick or the, the driver's point of view, I, I, what I wish they would have done differently is I wish they would have involved the crew chiefs and had them do the pit road. That way we get kind of, you know, their thoughts on things and their in, insights on what's going down on pit road. I, I wish they maybe would have done that a little bit different, but I, I definitely like how they did things, and I, I would definitely be down for them to do it again. Yeah, I, I kind of I thought it was entertaining, CJ. Uh, for all the talk now, I'll tell you what I was thinking of. Um, and one of the things I thought of was how often it's come up on this show early on in the season and even in the oh, past year. How people said, well, DW's passed his time. He's out of the car. He's been out of the car for a while. Um <laughs> And they should they should have more people commenting that are from today. Well, here you had a whole crew that was from mm-hmm. today, the drivers, and I think that I think that played into it very well in a positive sense. Aside from it, the fact that it was entertaining to begin with, here are drivers from literally from today that are making the comments, and so I think that held a little bit. In both in the entertainment value and held some more weight than, say, a DW would or uh, whatever. So that was one of my thoughts. Um, the other thought that, unfortunately, I had, CJ, and again, 
this this seems like a broken record, I know, but I'm going to hold on to this until they make the change. Uh, I feel, once again, where the Xfinity series comes into play, I think the awarding of points became another mm-hmm. when uh, Brad won. I mean, you, you had... You had an Xfinity driver in Kyle Benjamin all weekend long. He was head. He he, he led a practice. He was on the pole, and he led for a good portion of the race. And here comes Brad Kozlowski, and again, he's in the race. It's not like he shouldn't try to win, but again, a, a cut driver makes the points where where. Xfinity is concerned, makes the points virtually irrelevant in in terms of what happens in the in the awarding of points. I really, I really, as weeks go by and weeks and weeks go by, I'm really beginning to, you know, again, I have no rooting interest other than to say, if you're going to award points, don't make them irrelevant by having the possibility even that cup drivers will win. Because as soon as a cup driver finishes one, any of the points from on back become, to me, irrelevant in in what you're trying to do. If you're awarding points based on place, and again, we, we I touched on this in race number two, or maybe even race number one at Daytona, and you made the point, if, if you're like the sixth driver to come across the finish line and you're the first Xfinity driver, you can't award first place points. And I came around to that thinking, but what happened that what happened since is it's rendering all the points awarded in the Xfinity series almost a moot point at this point. Because you're by by the cup guys, you know, placing so high, whether they win or even finish second, you're making the rest of the field, you know, irrelevant when it comes to points. I just, I don't like it. I I don't like that aspect of it at all. And and uh, during the cup race, obviously, that's not an issue. But for Xfinity, I believe they have to sit these guys out to make the points uh, mean anything at all. I, I agree. You 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 uh, you create a, a system and a format better the sport, and then you apply that to a series that you're not taking advantage of your new format, your new point system. And it, to me, you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Hey, fans, we we got this new format. It's going to make racing more exciting. And make the pre the regular season count just as much as the playoffs, and by awarding points and stages and everything else. But here's the kicker: in, in the truck series and the Xfinity series, that the Cup guys want to come run, and we're going to let them run. And so they're not awarded the playoff points that they happen to win, and um, you won't be able to maximize on all the point opportunities because we're going to allow the Cup guys uh, to partake in your guys. I am not a fan of it. I was never a big fan of the, the Cup guys being on uh, in the Truck Series or 
Um, the Xfinity Series, I felt if you were out there um, running, that you should have to have your own team, like Cobbush Motorsports. But I don't want you to be pilot of a, or a kid's racing. I want you to do it on your own, just like the rest of these teams have to do on their own. Um, but I, I was willing to say, you know what, it, it helps bring fans, it helps bring sponsors, it helps this, it helps that. Okay, I'm not a fan of it, but I understand it. Now with this whole new format, now with this whole new point system, there's there's no reason. There's no you you're, you you rolled out a whole new program that's supposed to help, and it's not because you are not using it to your advantage. You're not maximizing. You're not maximizing um, the format that you created. And I, I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, Mike, you've been around the sport for a very long time. Uh, but uh, you've been around the sport a very long time. Obviously, you uh, obviously you've watched many Wood Brother drivers and Wood Brother cars go to Victory's Lane. Um, you probably even cheered on some of the Wood Brother drivers. Um, your thoughts um, of seeing Wood Brothers back in Victory Lane? Yeah, I, I you know again. I, I I was I was a fan of them only because of of their longevity. I think for them to be around the sport so long, when you know teams literally have dropped out because of economic reasons and otherwise, it's nice to see them stick around and not only uh, be a non-fat, you know not stick around and be a non-factor, but to finally break through again and be in victory lane. Uh, it, it was, it was, I think it's good for them and good for the sport. I think it's good for those fans, specifically the fans that argue or that are stuck in uh, yesterday in terms of, when I say stuck in yesterday, that don't like the changes, uh, don't like the fact that times change. I think for those fans, they got a chance to, you know, relive old times, as it were. Yes, with a different driver. I mean, the Wood Brothers have, have on the cup level have employed drivers like a David Pearson and and that, and okay, you're not going to have David Pearson in the car, but you're going to see the Wood Brothers for that specific fan base that always, you know, that, that yearns for yesterday, as they say, uh, to have the Wood Brothers as a team in victory lane again, albeit with a new driver, and obviously, you know, another generation of driver, I think, was was a good it was a good thing for those fans to recognize one of the, the you know, the, the teams that they're familiar with. Well, being how we're at the top of the hour, let me, uh, let me do our thank yous real quick. And we'll touch on a couple other things. Um, and it was supposed to join at 9 o'clock. Uh, I won't give her a few more minutes. If not, we got a game. I've uh, got to thank Fit for Life. You to check them out on Facebook, Fit for Life. You can also go to our site, www.fitnessports.com. Right-hand side, click the banner, find a location near you, 24-7, 365. Get your gym on. Clean facility, courtesy, 
now that everything could possibly need to work that is good for life. Also, I want to thank Paige Stockdale, our official It Works representative. You look up to have a healthier, more fit 2017 You 40% off natural products, healthy products um, to, to improve your health, your skin, your hair, your nails, your sleeping, your immune system, your bowel system, or you name it. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on that rest? 
Yeah, I obviously I didn't see the race, but I did see the end and right at the end because I uh, my show ended and there was still that portion of the race to go. Oh, so yeah. I would say I, I would say I saw the last ten to twenty what? laps. Uh, and 10 to 20 laps, and when he went over on his roof, there was the red flag, obviously, for a while, and uh, good to see him walk away from that, uh, and that was that was rather uh, a strange situation. Um, that's actually the second time. The first time I saw someone on his roof like that, I saw it, uh, in person, that was a legend car uh, with Chris Young, Ann's Young, Ann Young's room. I saw that in person. He ended up on his roof and sliding across the finish line. And this was one, obviously, that I saw on TV, a little bit heavier machinery with the uh, truck. But that's like the second time I've seen someone slide on his roof like that. I guess I guess I'd have to say third. The third one being um Justin uh Justin Jason, uh Justin Fontaine in the Arca race. Uh that one I saw obviously on T V also, but that's like the this is this is like the third situation I've seen where someone ended up literally halfway over on his roof and uh so um, that was that was interesting because I thought they were going to almost, you know, um, put it up for, you know, for taping and whether, or to look at on videotape and whether they were going to take the win away from the truck winner because um, from what I saw, the, the, the again, I didn't see it live, but I saw the tape version of it. Um, when when he won, and then I, by that time, like I said, the end of the race, I was seeing the the they had done like a repeat or a recap. And then when when I saw the end of the race, um, I I said, gee, the guy that was in second place looked like he might have passed him. But then when the when the I guess the idea was that the caution flag they were questioning when the caution flag dropped. And whether they were going, to, whether they were going to re um, realign the field, you know, to the prior lap like they do, and I think that's where the controversy came in. And the commentator in the truck booth, I don't remember who it was, uh, was saying that he almost thought that. I guess it was the 29 of uh, Reddick uh, that. They thought past the winner uh, on the last lap, and and uh, so I thought there would be a little bit of controversy in terms of who was awarded the win, and uh, didn't end up that way. But it was a very interesting race at the end there, CJ, and probably all through the race. I just didn't see the whole thing live. I saw the last ten or twenty laps live but not the whole race because I was uh, on the air. Uh, Mike, 
go ahead and get things wrapped up. Uh, game five just got underway. It looks like Chris Hoffman started picking up his first foul. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, get get this wrapped up so we can. Uh, that was just ugly, but Chris Hoffman just scored. Um, let's go ahead and uh, do the Friday thing and uh, all the whatnot so we can uh, get this thing wrapped up for the night. Okay. Uh, I, uh, maybe I missed something, but did you say something about Hannah or whatever? Or? I, I I don't know if it was a miss uh, uh, a miss or whatnot. She's not made it in the studio, so I, I don't know if something came up with her or if there was a miss uh, understanding on the date. Well, obviously not the time, the date or whatever. So um, let's. Oh, okay. uh, I figured okay, if she ain't, I mean, she's supposed to be here at nine. It's nine fifteen. She ain't here. She probably ain't coming. Okay. All right. I I that's what I say. I missed I, I missed whether you mentioned something or something, but I. Anyway, Friday night, uh, three people have been invited. I will work on them again uh, tomorrow uh, because I, I had some place to go today and uh, threw off my schedule a little bit. But uh, Jack Hanley, who told me last week that he would be on this week, uh, well, so we'll see about him. Uh, also, uh, Jimmy Blewett who's been on before, and uh, uh, the reason I'm putting him on right now is he is uh, super hot at Wall Stadium. Uh, four uh, modified wins in uh, four modified features in five weeks and with one uh, uh, rain out, I believe. So of the six weeks of the season so far in Wall Stadium, uh, Jimmy Blewett has won four out of the uh, four out of five modified features. So I, I look to have him on the first hour along with Jack Hanley as well, and also uh, our our uh, 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 staff member that, like I said, with my format, I wanted to do uh, a driver and a staff member from the track. Uh, also from Riverhead, uh, like like I said, uh, we have Bruce Nall. Uh, hopefully he will come on. He is the assistant uh, starter uh, at Riverhead, and uh, and he'll discuss uh, how they go about uh, starting a race and so forth, and meeting and what the flags mean. Aside from what every race man knows, obviously the checker flag, the green flag, and the yellow flag, and along with the red and black, but there are other flags in a set as well. Uh, we'll go over that with Bruce and what they do with the lights and caution lights, et cetera, and what they do once they appear at the track. So that's the plan for this week as I lock people up for the show. Uh, I will make the announcements both on the shows with CJ and also on my Hot Laps with Stats show pages. So keep uh, keep that in mind. Uh, go over uh, to the sh- to the pages. Uh, give give me a like if you haven't. Give us a like on both the Hot Laps with Stats page and the One Ten Nation pages. We appreciate it. Also, you can find me 
on my personal Facebook page. Uh, as I said, the Hot Laps and Stats pages, the 110 Nation pages, and the 110 blog site as well, where I will write up a, a uh, golf article and a the racing blog as well this week. Uh, have some interesting pictures uh, to go along with that, courtesy and thank you to Jeffrey Rogers. Um, I'll put up some of the pictures on my timeline, on CJ's timeline, on the 110 page, and on the blog site as well. Uh, and finally, you can find me on my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. Are you there, CJ? <laughs> Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I've got to make sure that I say uh, well, I'm Fit for Life. Got to say Fit for Life, uh, H. Stock of It Work, I-95 Sports Network, and Mile High Radio. Without all these great marketing partners and networks, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and grow the way we grow. Also got to say, uh, or also check us out on Twitter, at 110 Nation. Check us out on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. Also check out our site, www.110nationsports.com. Excuse me for all the latest going on here at the 110 Nation. Hopefully we find out what happened to Hannah tonight, if it was at our end or her end. If, uh, we make it happen later on this week. We'll get tomorrow night. We got Izzo joining us at 9.30. Show kicks off at 7 o'clock. Um, I'm sure we'll have one happy Izzo being a big bird uh, fan. fan. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, looking forward to uh, tomorrow night. Uh, game five for those that one thing one thing before uh, we we get off uh, tonight I wanted to mention uh, that stuck out to me we've discussed this uh, on occasion uh, when it came up regarding uh, uh, the the the, uh, driver was sponsored by Liberty University I'd be interested to ask Hannah and I will we get a run about uh being sponsored by a university. Uh we discussed CJ how if William uh, Byron uh, goes higher in terms of the cup, if the university will be prepared to sponsor him. And I I thought with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.